What a beauty! G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. I am Lek Dog. I'm joined by two beautiful men today. Well, it's been just one for the last few weeks, Patch. It's been you and me, but we're joined by one very sexy man. We are. Yeah. Damo. I'm here. I've been released from the WA time warp and let's not do that again. I think everyone should all be on the same time zone at all times. Agreed. Get rid of it all. It's just it should, like everywhere. Deal it should with be, it. <laughs> it should be based around where I live, because I want the sun. Damo, how uh, how's the AFL season going for you? How's the Supercoach season going for you? We haven't heard from you on this podcast in a couple of weeks, but of course, you've been killing it on the question and answer podcast, the mailbag. I mean, my team could be going better, but it could be going worse. Um. Haven't had a great start, but haven't had an awful start. Well, that's positive. Um, I think the first couple of weeks, unless you're going to win the prize, don't matter a hell of a lot, uh, to be honest. Maybe that's a hot take. No, I I think we saw um, someone release something that was like the past winners after round one were like 34K, 28K, 43K or something along those lines. So you're telling me there's a chance. I'm telling you there is a chance. Were any of them 60K asking for uh, <laughs> for, for me? Um, I don't remember. I'm going to take that as a maybe. Well, Patch, I didn't want to bring up football in front of you, but this is a football podcast, oh, so it is going to be difficult to avoid. Oh, the Dons are 0-3, the Potatoes are 0-3, and I am, oh, geez, are you okay? <laughs> oh, but only zero and three in the practice matches. Yeah. Oh, when the real stuff starts next week, it'll be great. It'll be. <laughs> I'm very excited to see how long I can drag the practice matches gag out for. And if I'm still doing it by round seven, please shoot me. <laughs> well, before shooting you, let's look at some positivity. We're going to go through one positive thing from each of our teams before we talk about one. Negative from each of our teams, and I'm going to go first. And I'm going to offer up. Um, I'm going to offer up this positivity: the positivity of not trading some of my players. Jordan Ridley, I did not trade. He scored 115. Lockie Whitfield, I did not trade. He scored 96. Max Gorn, I did not trade. He scored 117. And Jade Gresham, I did not trade, and he scored 102 points. So my positivity for this week is not trading players that I researched heading into the season. Well done. Well done. All of the silly people who traded Jack Steele are now 250-odd points poorer for it. So there we go. There we go. Patch, what's a positivity from your side? Um, I'm going to say Will Brody's the positive. Um, I saw the opening and, you know, I was sceptical and he'd heard me be sceptical all preseason that I'm like, hey, be the sub, I'm worried. Low tog, 
like one trick pony. He doesn't, I, I'm scared. And now all of Fremantle's midfield is missing and I'm no longer scared. And I embraced it and he scored 90 and made 60K. He made a lot of money and will make a bunch more money over the next month. And I feel at peace. I, I feel happy that I brought him in. No, I think, look, he's been solid. And I too was skeptical, but Damo remained steadfast that he would be a good selection. And Damo, to this point, he has been a good selection. Who else has been a good selection for you? Uh, I like that we paid about 260k for a forward keeper in Stephen Canelio. Hasn't he been bloody brilliant? He's been amazing. 149 against the Gold Coast. And forward mid flexibility. This guy averaging 109.3. Demo, we knew he could do it. Owning Giants players scare the crap out of me because Leon Cameron exists and drops players because they looked at a blade of grass funny. So it's really interesting to see him keep this role up. I mean, he didn't have the greatest start to the season and we were like, well, at 260K, we don't need to keep him. And then these last two weeks, maybe we do need to keep him. On the flip side, though, maybe Toby Green comes back and Toby Green goes into the midfield and Cornelio plays forward because that's how Leon Cameron's brain works. Don't scare oh, me. I don't know. Please, Patch. He's going to play Tom Green forward. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, okay? Shut up. We'll talk about that later. All right, well, let's talk about something negative from our week in Supercoach. And to, to be honest, there's not a lot to choose from. I had a reasonable score this week, but yeah, I'll, shut take, up, you. I'll take the easy one off the board and I'll say Zach Butters, 58 points from the entire game. But Damo, you said that all happened in about six seconds or something like that. He scored like 13 points or something up until halftime and then scored the, the rest of his points after halftime. And what he did go off with an ankle injury and was being treated on the sidelines for quite a long time and then took a while to get back into it once he uh, went back on the field. So what was the cause of the low score? I was unable to watch the Port uh, Crows game. I saw the end of it after the Essendon game, but what, what was actually happening there? So he got his ankle trapped under someone. No, sorry. Sam Pepper tried to tackle the the player that Zach Butters was already tackling and crunched him. Yeah. Okay. Right. So he caught an injury early and then struggled after that. Yeah. He got, that's right. That's fixable. He got better after half time, but he took a while to get his, 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 his wind back. Patch, do you have a, uh, something negative you'd like to get off your chest? How many do I have? You, you get one main one, but if like me, you can squeeze it into one little package. You're welcome to. Um, um, I will go with the opposite of your good thing in that last week I came on this podcast and said, Heath Chapman will be fine. Don't panic about it. He will come good. Jake Bowie might not be the, you know, might not be the be all and end all. And then I got to Friday night at 6.55 PM and I traded Heath Chapman to Jake Bowie and Chapman outscored him. (laughs) Chapman scored 101, Bowie scored 89, I believe. There are worse thing trades that have been made. At least you banked a little bit of cash, right? A tiny bit of cash. Bowie's made the cash quicker, um, I, I guess. Like, sure. I, it's, it's okay. I just... I. I it just doesn't fill like, you with joy. No, it does not spark joy. Um, and, and thus, I sit in the bin. 
on my Demo, own. do you have something negative to need to get off your chest in this safe space? Uh, yeah, where the hell did my midfield go on the weekend? <laughs> well, what happened in midfield? Who, who, didn't, who didn't perform for you? Jack McRae, 92. He was my vice captain. Took Miller, 76. He was tagged by Matt DeBoer. Andrew Brayshaw, 96. He was tagged by Jackson Nelson until Jackson Nelson decided to go, ah, stuff it. It's not working anyway. Uh, and then Lockie Neal. Well, Lockie Neal was actually my captain, and I was happy with 105 because that was the highest score in my midfield last week. Last, yesterday. Last week? Last round. Whatever you want to call it. It was a tough round for captaincies. I did suggest that Jack McRae would have a bad game, although people did not heed my warning. But yes, it felt like a week where everyone who had Lockie Neal's captain said, oh, Jesus, thank God, at least he got 105. And that's like not even a good captaincy score, but I mean, in the scheme of things, it was the best captaincy score that most people had. Yeah, legitimately. (laughs) All right, fellas, before we get into the bulk of the podcast, we're going to have a look at some cash cows this week because there are players who despite this being the fourth round of the season (sighs) on the bubble which is our least favorite time because some of these guys are decent players so nick Uh, martin second least favorite time after round 23 (laughs) well yes (laughs) um nick martin top of everyone's lips a lot of people already own him but break even of a negative 124 projected to rise ninety seven thousand dollars this week he's only 102k forward averaging 93 patch you know this man better than anyone if like me people are out there and they have 30 playing players should they be sideways trading a rookie to this man Nah, he's, he, nah, he's no good. Plays for the Bombers, shit team. But, Haven't started playing real games yet. But Patch, isn't he Essendon's Lord and Saviour in the absence of Zach Merritt? He is, but also if our Lord and Saviour is a two-game 21-year-old, then we deserve whatever's below the spoon. <laughs> but yes, you need to bring him in. I don't care who you move on. Move on like Josh Dunkley for all I care. Get Nick Martin into your team right now. Well, if you're like sports, a... What's his name? Brady, Brady, Brady Hugh, Brody Hugh, Brady Hugh, or even like a a Ward or a McDonald. Dylan Stevens struggling on the weekend. If you got one of these guys, uh, do you move one? Uh, is it okay to move one of these yes, guys to Nick Martin? Absolutely, absolutely. Do it. Fire away. Do it now. Pause this podcast immediately. Go and do it, and then come back and listen to the rest of this pod. Okay, fair enough. That's a good one. Also on the bubble, Damo, I don't know what's going on over in WA. Willie Rioli, 225K, break-even of negative 40, averaging 87 from his two games. Is he someone that we need to have on our radar at all? Um, When West Coast can stop their COVID outbreak, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll kick through these other bubble boys because I don't think a lot of them are going to be attracting attention. Hugh Dixon owners, Damo, you think might need to move him on this week despite only playing two games? Wait for team selection, but I don't know if he holds his place ahead of uh, Bailey Williams, um, but who knows? West Coast might still have 15 changes this week. Mm. Certainly probably not someone we're looking to bring into our team for cash generation. Patch, Lockie Gallant, or Gollant, I don't know how to say it. It's definitely not Gollant. $123,900 forward, break even of negative 48, projected to go up 42K, 79 on the weekend for Adelaide. 
are we looking at him or are we wary of uh, a Tex Walker return? Um, so are, are we bringing him in? Are we galant bringing him in is what we're, we're most of his yo, most of his score would have would have been hey, the four goals that he kicked. Hey, yo, are we are we ignoring the the hot? Fire I'm just talking over patch and... just because. <laughs> Man, you're so hip and with it. These last few podcasts, patch, you've been uh, you've been down with it. Um, oh, I am crackalacking, as the kids say. Um, I mean, he'll play. Maybe he'll like. No, nah, it's it's the awkward time of year. Who are you trading to him? No one. It maybe if Dixon's not named and you're you're desperate for thirty playing players, like I, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I'm not like there. Yeah. All right, well, I'll run through the rest of these guys because I don't think we're looking to trade any of them in. You guys yell out if we are. Thompson Dow scored a hundred on the weekend, but I don't know that that's someone we're looking to bring in. Tanner Brun, Bruin, Brun, Brun. <laughs> scored eighty, averaging eighty one. Probably not someone we're looking to bring in. Brady Hugh. Jackson Nelson, uh, Sam Skinner was injured on the weekend, should still play, but probably not someone we're looking to bring in. And then you're looking all the way down at your likes of like a Sam DeConning, Isaiah Wanganin, Malera, et cetera. I don't think any of these guys. You missed, uh, you missed a name there, Lacton. You did miss a name there. Which which name did I miss? You missed Nathan O'Driscoll. Uh, I, I haven't scrolled down far enough to see him, if I'm being honest with you. He's 123K defensive midfielder. His growth in terms of money generation will be stunted for the first few weeks because he was a sub in his first game. God damn it, why did that happen? Um, but Ooh. 49 in his second game. Hopefully he spends more time on ground the more games he plays. But it seems like he's resumed the Will Brody role of being on the bench every five seconds at the moment. <laughs> so hopefully when Fremantle get their midfield back, he isn't pushed out because I actually think he's better than some others who seem to not lose their place at all ever. And um, he can continue to score better than 49 and spend more time on ground and be a good player in dual position. So what's what's the advice there, Damo? Are you telling people that they should should look to bring him in, or is he only someone we should look at if we've if we've got a hole or a zero? Um, and does he rate above all these other guys outside of like a Nick Martin? He definitely doesn't rate higher than Nick Martin. But I and there are some people that started with him knowing that he would play later on. Um, I would stick with him if you have him. I wouldn't move heaven and earth to bring him into your team and I certainly wouldn't trade him in ahead of Nick Martin that's good to know I think for the most part these are that we've gone over all the the cash generating tools unless you've got anything else to add Pacharu um, I'm bringing Sam DeConning into my team this week but mainly so Paddy McCartan's not stuck in my back line I can play Mitch Hinge at, at D6 and McCartan can play up forward uh, at this stage I'm stuck with just picking one of them in the back line, um, but certainly not an essential cash generation tool more to give myself some flexibility down the line should I need it, as well as a little bit of cash generations with Michito Owens coming out of the side. You've also got a, a Sam Skinner there as an option. He was injured, but they have said to the, in today's injury report recording this on the Monday that he is a test player. So that's another option, but I do prefer Sam DeConning of the two. Gentlemen. Let's push forward and 
there is a bunch of interesting questions we have to ask ourselves about premiums that aren't performing and guys who are probably overperforming. I don't know where we want to start. Last week we started in the ruck line. Do we just start there again and breeze through it very quickly? Because as you said last week, Patch, the ruck line is the forward line. It's the poor man's forward line. And on this blessed day, we are all poor men. Um, we're slightly, it's slightly less poor this week. Um, this is more of a drizzle. Uh, Max Gorn, 117, rewarding those who didn't trade him out. Brody Grundy, 96, but uh, players have, Rucks have struggled against Geelong for a long, long time. So that's not a massive surprise on that front. Outside of that, um, is Nick Nat back? Tim English is probably the one we should be talking about, though, um, despite being Ruck forward, 152 points on the weekend. How do we need to... Do we need to bring him in before he gets too expensive? I'm scared of Tim English because I know Luke Beveridge will bring in Stefan Martin. Tim English will be stuck in the forward line and he'll average 80. See, I think you're giving Bevo too much credit there, Damo. I think Bevo is going to be, he's so steadfast in only wanting to play one ruck. They have other ruckmen on their list and they've not gone with a two ruck setup. So I mean, look at them. They've got Caleb Daniel. They've got Mitch Hannon. They've got Jamari Eagle Hayden. Josh Dunkley. Josh Dunkley. None of, like, none of them are getting a run in the ruck. Well, actually, Mitch Hannon is, but. I'm less worried about Steph Martin and just more worried about Bevo Salad. So in general. But I, I think he's a, a reasonably safe selection. What I don't know is that heading into round four, one week after the price rises, where he has pumped out a 152 and risen up 39K already, who the hell are we trading him to? Are you trading Max Gorn or Brody Grundy? Are you trading Zach Butters and upgrading to Tim English? Like, What are we doing to get him in? Do either of you have a, have a thought on that? Uh, if you've got Sean Darcy, Damo, would you trade Sean Darcy to Tim English? I mean, Sean Darcy was scored 70 points in his sleep against St. Kilda last week. So there's no denying that Sean Darcy can score, but there's also no denying that Sean Darcy is made of paper mache at the moment either. So um, if you're still holding on to Sean Darcy, I don't know why you are still holding on to Sean Darcy and you should move him on. The reason you might be holding on to Sean Darcy is because it's Bruce season, baby. It is. Talking about the Bruce Moose. I mean, look, Bruce Bruce is back, baby, in a big way. He was pretty damn good against Gold Coast, but we've got to underline, underline that sentence with against Gold Coast. But as we've said all along, Sure, they've got a lot of ruck confusion at GWS. Leon Cameron doesn't really know who he wants in the ruck, but when the risk is only $204,700 for Braden Proust, I think it's a risk that we need to look at. If you don't have him, if you don't have him, you cannot sit him at R2. I do not think you can sit him at R2, Patch, but I also don't know if it's worth upgrading one of our rookies by like a hundred grand to get him especially if it's going to require two trades. I'll just throw this out there. If Hugh Dixon plays this week, Braden Bruce's price is not going to move. And and if you've got enough cash in the bank, it could possibly be a one trade there, just Dixon to Bruce. That's actually a good point, Damo uh, Patch. I think he's right on that in that 
we can spend another week gathering data on Braden Proust. I think that's really important. I think a lot of people jump early on these sort of opportunities. I reckon the safest play is to, to wait a week, take a look at him, and then have another decision. Like We might be able to go Jack Hayes to Braden Proust next week uh, and make money. Yeah, oh, that's that's absolutely on the cards. Or if you bought in like a, a Genevan or someone who, you know, had a really big round one, you know, even Rochelle, um, you can swing your, your Hayes or Dixon forward and then, you know, bring Bruce in, uh, one to consider for next week. But certainly for the love of all that is holy, do not bring him in this week because uh, there's every chance that he scores 200. There's every chance he doesn't play next week. Because he walks under a ladder, he steps on a cat, Leon Cameron throws him in the hole. <laughs> Goes in the hole again. So I think we can probably move on from Rux. I think obviously the main target will be Tim English. I'm not going to be against anyone trading him in, but I think largely this is a week we for not Can we quickly trading. talk about Riley O'Brien? Yeah, well, yeah. We can talk about Baron's boy. 92, 110, and 122 in his first three weeks. No one even thought about him in the preseason. I thought about him as like a get out of the way. Get like you I have to scroll past you. Yeah, he certainly was on the list of players in Supercoach. So I guess in that sense I thought about him. But he's a guy who probably underperformed slightly on what we expected he would last year. Didn't look amazing to me in the preseason, but comes in and, and he has performed at level. Had 45 hitouts against Port Adelaide. I'm not confident he can do that every single week, but, you know, nine tackles as well. So he was in and around it, but, yeah, another guy that I'm looking at if I'm a Prusa 2 owner or a Hayes R2 owner, the longer we can delay a decision on these guys, the more data we can get and potentially the the bigger savings we can have when we go to go shopping for them. So I think for the most part in the ruck line, it's it's probably a, a wait and see situation for a lot of these guys. Shall we head to the forward line? Do we have to? The rich, it's the rich man's ruck line, apparently, judging from what I was saying earlier, which looking at the forward line does not feel true. Oh dear. Um, Isaac Heaney scored what I think he's going to average, oh, well, kind of in between there and 100 for the rest of the season. So that's coming back down to earth. Luke Jackson came down to earth. Um, a bunch of players all kind of did what we expected them to. Yeah, they did. Um, I, I, I'm never one to bank on the forward line being consistent, so I'm okay with it. it it's worth noting Jordan Degoe, by the way, is suspended, so he'll miss round four. If you're an owner, I'm, I'm not so, saying it's worth jumping off him. I'm just letting you know that he's suspended and he's probably been slightly underwhelming. I'm excited, Patch. I know it was in a smashing. I know it was against North, but Zach Bailey just keeps showing us reasons why he's going to be a Jet in Supercoach at some stage. At some stage. Um, yeah, he, he looks good. Scored 129. One to keep an eye on uh, for that early upgrade. Uh, one that I'm keeping an eye on for... Lincoln McCarthy scored 116. I was just about um, to say that. He's averaging <laughs> 100... He, no, sorry. He scored 116. He's averaging 91.3. Lincoln yeah. McCarthy's good. And and last season, he was a top 20 forward for total points scored. <laughs> 97, 61, 116. He's a beast. Please stop. Please. You know how I said, ask you to shoot me earlier? Whatever that threshold was, bring it forward to right now. 
this very second. Um, right after I talk about Daniel Rioli, who we didn't cover a huge amount in the preseason because we didn't know if the halfback role would be real. It's real, ladies and gentlemen. 71 in round one, 111 in round two, 107 in round three against St Kilda. Defensive, uh, defense forward swing. He has put on a little bit of cash. The 40k price rise, still sub 400k, three seventy six thousand dollar dues. If you're jumping off Jordan Degoe, you could do worse than than Danny Rioli. If you, I don't know why you'd be trading a Danny Rioli in, but uh, one to keep an eye on, and one that I'm certainly keeping a close eye on. I mean, I'm going to be but, honest with Daniel Rioli. I wouldn't feel good bringing him into my classic team, but I felt pretty good bringing him into my draft team. Oh man, if you can snag him off a waiver wire, you're absolutely laughing all the way to the bank. Um, yep, look, the role was touted, but we didn't actually see him deliver on it, and it's just annoying that it's come in the regular season. It's a very awkward time to try and grab someone at 376k. It is. But having said that, he's looking really solid and, you know, we we might find him, you know, being a really valuable, flexible defensive forward player for us later on in the year. I just can't see any way to to bring him in. And yeah, similar guy in that boat is is my boy. I'm claiming him even though Craig should claim him. Jade Gresham, he's played pretty well. Um, the downside for him, though, is that when the game's on the line, they'll throw him forward, and if it doesn't get to him, it does affect his scoring. But another guy who's just cheap, probably flying under the radar a bit and scoring pretty well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Damo, is there anyone that stood out to you in the forward line? Uh, Tim Taranto has not been hampered by playing some minutes forward. He's still doing doing quite well for those that held the faith. Um, he was in my thinking for um, for my team at, before Leon Cameron fronted the cameras and said that we'd be playing him forward in the absence of Toby Green, and I, and um, turns out that hasn't really mattered. No, he's been good. He's been bloody good. Um, I, I never had an issue with him as a selection. He could score last year playing forward. He can score this year playing forward. And at some stage, maybe they'll play him exclusively as a midfielder up in GWS, maybe when they get a different coach. But I think primarily for me, everyone else who's performing really well, everyone already owns. Yep, agreed. Shall we swing into the midfield or the back line? We'll save the back, back line for last. Back line. Uh, you want to go back line last? All right, well, let's go to the midfield. The midfield feels a bit quicker, a bit punchier. Um, yep. Also, we get the Tom Green discussion out of the way early. Uh, averaging 139, 502K has just gone up. 72K, scored 147 this week, scored 106 last week, 164 in round one. Is it Tom Green season, or are we expecting some midfielders to roll back into the middle once uh, Toby Green is back? The way he's playing, you'd expect any normal coach to keep him in there and keep him doing his thing, because he has been so impressive. How long is Jacob Hopper out for? I I, I feel like they were only resting him for the week. I could be wrong, but I thought they he was fine and they were just resting him. I think 
Tom Green will be okay as long as Jacob Hopper is out. Here we go. Uh, Jacob Hopper. Uh, Jacob Hopper will be sidelined for an extended period with a knee injury. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. So Hopper out. There's some room in the midfield. They've got Toby Green to come back. He's not due back for another, what, two or three weeks? Something like that. I mean, I, I have no qualms with with picking him up, just that I reckon his, his consistency will dip a little bit towards the middle of the season as he gets a bit tired. You know, he's still a, a relatively young guy and the midfield's pretty demanding, but... I mean, there's all signs point to yes. We love to see it. Cripps continue to do his thing with 119, which Lake Doggy must be pretty happy with. Yeah, pretty happy with him. Traded him in against my belief that if I do things to Carlton, bad things happen. But he came into my team. 119 was was reasonably solid. Uh, and the midfield mix was was interesting to watch. The full squad was back, and it, it kind of played out how I thought it was going to. Kennedy, for large parts of the game, was still in there, but then found himself resting while well, spent a lot of time on the bench. So did George Hewitt. But the, the mix is looking okay, and, and Walsh and Chera found themselves on the outside a little bit more. It's, it's an interesting setup, but I still think George Hewitt and Paddy Cripps are the guys who... Who are going to keep scoring? There was some, there was some mad scaling at the end of that game, though, because Cripps, because yeah. at full time, Cripps was on, was only on ninety five points. Yeah, there was a heap of points left to scale. I know George, George Hewitt was stuck on like twenty points for, it felt like a whole quarter as well. He was just stuck on the bench, couldn't get on the field. But I just the way that they those two in particular accumulate their ball, it's like all contested. It's just what champion data love. So I think they're going to be able to keep doing that as, as long as they're healthy. So it's good to see one guy patch that once again flies under the radar. Travis Boak is, has done it again. Does it every single year. Except last year when I picked him. Well, yeah, except when you pick him. I mean, that's the rule. If you, if you pick him, you're breaking the spell. But geez, he's looked good. Any concerns over how effective Damo the tag was on Took Miller? I mean, it's Matt DeBoer, so no, Matt DeBoer is a very effective tagger. Um, people are going to tag the best midfielders if they cause a problem in too many games in a row. So I'm not fast of the Took Miller tag. I don't think he gets tagged every week. I don't think he's Gold Coast's most explosive midfielder, but he does make a lot of things happen, and... Clearly, him being tagged meant that Gold Coast couldn't do a lot. That's fair. That's fair. I think yeah. um, Annie didn't have a hell of a lot of support in there either. No, and uh, I think, to be clear, we're not advocating trading out any of the players that, you know, under... Oh, no, 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 no. Um, opposite, I'm thinking about who we can target moving down the track, like Took Miller, uh, Jack Steele, Marcus Bontepelli. These are all guys in a few weeks that are going to start looking very, very tasty. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, at the other end of the scale, Josh Ward hasn't quite had the start of the year that we expected or hoped from him. 143 points uh, from his first three games, averaging the 47. Half of all teams playing Supercoach have him. His break-even is uh, it's nine, uh, which he'll make. That's That won't be an issue. We'll only make the 17.2K, though, and then the week after will struggle again to continue to, to add to that cash flow. Um, 
do we do we wait another week and see if there are more rookies on the way? Damo Neil Erasmus played his first game. I'm going to be um, honest. If Neil Erasmus gets his second game, gets his second game, and then gets his third game, I'm probably am going to bank that 60k and turn Josh Ward into Neil Erasmus. It's and it's not just Josh Ward that's in this position. It's Dylan Stevens. It's Josh Rochelle. There's a few guys here that Josh Gibkiss. Josh Gibkiss. I mean, Josh Gibkiss. We we kind of knew was going to happen. Uh, we were just forced to pick him because of the the dearth of defenders that we had available. But there are some guys that, for what we paid for them, and we knew that this might happen because of the the way the rookies rolled out this year. But there are guys who we spent money on that just aren't returning on investment at this stage. And what what do we say a trade's worth? 100K, 50K? What's a trade worth? Because we're not getting a hell of a lot out of these guys in the short term. No, we're not We're not losing a lot as there aren't, you know, we've spoken about a few players on the bubble. Um, I don't think any of them beyond Martin are must-haves, but should we, that, that's the question I want to ask you, should we look at moving a ward down to an O'Driscoll Um or, you know, moving in Alex Davies, rather 26, still Stevens with 23, you know, these players that, that didn't do what we wanted them to do. Um, or do we back them, the rookies in, to bounce back, like Dill Stevens coming off a 90, showed he can do it. Alex Davies has a game that's built around Supercoach. Um, Josh Ward improved on the weekend. His score certainly didn't, but, you know, he had more centre bounce time, was given, you know, had more possessions, was given more of a run at it. Do we back these kids in to, to improve or do we do we pull the pin now? I'm not no, I think we back him in. I'm not worried about Josh Rochelle though. He's no, a he, no, neither. he's a small forward. He's gonna have games where he scores 20, 30, 40 points. But then he's also going to have games where he, where, he, where he kicks four goals off 20 disposals and scores 100 points. So he just needs another round one score or another game similar to the way he performed in round one to restart his cash generation. And I don't mean to kick a man while he's down, but Adelaide are against Essendon this week. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a great, a great it's comparison. A practice, it's only a practice match, Damo. That's true. His, his price won't change. It's only a practice match. I think a great comparison, or not a great comparison, but a solid comparison is, is James Rowe last year who round three dropped a 40, then he scored 67, 79, got some cash gen, then he pumped out a couple of turns, 27, 36, but then he went 81, 80, 71. So you just got to – I agree with you, Damo. It's not alarm bells for Josh Rochelle. He He's a guy who's going to be inconsistent. Warden Stevens, I'm inclined, at like you, Patch, to back him in. I, I I don't see much point in trading them at this point. No one's screaming out as must trade in rookie options and their break-evens are still so low that they're going to keep making cash, even if they pump out 50s. Like I, The only reason I'd be looking to drop them is if they get dropped from their senior team and there is a viable rookie option on the bubble. Yeah, agreed. Just thought I would. Oh, we could address it while we were there. Shall we go to the back line now, unless there's any other midfield uh, talking points that we wanted to address. Now let's go to the back line. Let's start with Jack Chris because Damo, you brought him up in the the pre pod meeting, pre pod meeting, implying that we do work and stuff for this. You brought him up. Uh, he's one of the most traded out defenders this week. What are people doing? What should they do? You got to hold him for now, but it feels like he can't have a good game if Nick Dacos. Has a good game. 
And we certainly want Nick Dacos being the one to have the good game. We do. Uh, we do indeed. Um, and it's unfortunate because Nick Dacos is not going to have too many bad games either, which makes that even more prickly. Well, what do you do? What do you do if you're Chris Boner? What, what's the answer here, Demo? I mean, Jack Crisp's value is raised by the fact that he's dual position. And I think dual position is going to be very important, especially once we get into the winter months um, and everyone is getting sick from being cold and outside. So I'm probably going to uh, cop Jack Crisp. Um, I saw a tweet where someone said, Jack Crisp, cop or drop, and I think I'm going to cop him. I think you look at his run, West Coast this week, which he averages 99 against. Brisbane averages 102 against. Essendon, then Gold Coast, then Richmond. So there's a few games for him to turn his form around pretty quickly, I reckon. He's he's going to be frustrating, but I think he's someone we got to hold on to. Even if he ends up being your D6 at the end of the year and he's lost 150K, I don't think that's too much of an issue. We have to remember that uh, Supercoach Mama last year, her D6 was Stephen May. And Stephen May definitely wasn't the pitcher of consistent scoring. But he was very cheap when... I also brought him in, I think, at the same time. So, yeah, targeting those players is is important. But she, yeah, certainly didn't start him. No, but um, she would have gone from a rookie up. She would have gone from a rookie upwards, though. Yes. Yeah. True. True. Um, true. I don't know. Part of like it as much as it's sensible. I understand what you're saying. I agree with it at an emphatic level, uh, like a base level. I also really just want to trade him. Because it's really annoying, and there are these defenders around his price point that are scoring really well. Sam Doherty averaging 122, George Hewitt averaging 120, Jaden Short averaging 118.3. Like Aaron Hall, like not that I'd ever trade Aaron Hall in because I've I'd never be able to cop the flack for all the mean things I've said about him. But like, there are lots of players that are averaging... Jeremy McGovern, Shannon Hearn. Yeah, Tom Stewart has had 104, 104, 103. Jack uh, Sinclair. His... I, I was going to mention Jack Sinclair because he's getting prime midfield time and that's what we wanted from Crisp. And Crisp isn't scoring. Sinclair is with 100, 114, 116. Like, there are lots of guys that are doing far better and that T button is so big and red and I see it when I close my eyes at night. The, I mean, yeah, I, look, I don't own him. So yeah, I, I'm not, I don't care. <laughs> I would back him in. I would back him in and hold him because the, remember the guys around him, you can't get the points they've already scored. And I think he looks primed to score well over the next four, five weeks. Um, the, and you you can pick apart, you can find reasons not to pick a lot of these guys, like Jack Sinclair. Well, Zach Jones has been back, and apparently he's getting close to a return. And um, Shannon Hearn and Jeremy McGovern, well, they play for West Coast, and there should be some players coming back, so the ball should be in the back line a little less. Sam Doherty, always going to be some question marks over the health. Jeezy looks bloody good, though. So there's question marks over all of these guys. And I, I, I mean... I, I would be comfortable with any of them. Equally, I'd be comfortable holding on to holding on to Crisp and you know, worst case scenario, 
he comes out and scores another, what, 85, 90 this week. He's going to lose some cash for you. He's breaking to 115. If he scores 90, 80, he only loses seven grand. You know, that you can cop that for another week. Yeah, and the same with Lucky Whitfield. I just wanted to play Devil's Avocado, um, as is my nature. Um, gosh, God, I want to, though. God, I want to, and I need to do everything in my power to not hit the big red button. I'm the same. I've got Lucky Whitfield. I want to trade him, but... 96 is okay. He was around He was around about the pill. He looked more like Lucky Whitfield. Then again, it was against Gold Coast, which weren't putting up a hell of a lot of fight. No, he was ball adjacent, as the draft doctors would like to say. Yes, he was ball adjacent. Fellas, I want to jump in to this before we wrap things up. Uh, Supercoach released an article today of likely DPP changes. That are, we're two weeks away from DPP changes, so that also I'm needs so to excited. it needs to factor into our thinking because some of these guys are going to be better options than the ones we currently have. So I'll I'll just go through the options, and and you guys can speak to them. So locked in for change, Tristan Zeri is going to be forward ruck. I imagine we all have him. Yeah, boy. And he's still he's still relatively affordable if you don't, but uh, for sure he's going to be valuable for us. Mason Wood, forward to forward mid, because he's playing on the wing now, and he's actually looking like a footballer. Incredible. What a time to be alive. Don't think he's incredibly relevant. Um, oh, good God, no. But, uh, sure, like, go off, Mason Wood. I'm happy for you. Genuinely happy for you. Damo, Angus Brayshaw, who scored 176 on the weekend, he's going to gain defence mid eligibility he uh they've been using him for his intercept ability i don't think i mean i doubted it when they started doing it but geez it, it showed it showed it showed something on the weekend i don't think it's going to be a bad selection we just have to keep in mind that jake lever and uh is going to come back soon and michael hibbard Christian is going Slalem. to come back soon and Christian Salem will come back later in the year. And basically Melbourne's been playing with their B back line for, for this first part of the season. Yeah. They were also true. they were also playing with their food on Friday night because there was no forward half pressure from Essendon. Letting Angus Brayshaw take twenty marks. <laughs> That's a lot of marks. It's a lot of marks. Jack Sinclair, who we just talked about, will become defense mid eligible. One name they don't have in here. I'm assuming will happen will be Mitch McGovern defense forward because he's only played in defense. I know he's only played two games. I'm not sure how it works, but I'm assuming that means he'll get it. Can he be defense? Uh, defense bench. For, yeah, defense bench or defense injury list because that's where he'll spend most of his time this year. Yeah, he's not definitely not someone I'm suggesting. Just someone I'm remembering. Damo in the maybe pile. They've got Scott Pendlebury mid to defense mid. Is he someone you would consider as a as a defender? As a defender, I would definitely consider him. Yes. A question without notice: How has he been scoring this week? I know he had one, two, four on the weekend, but uh, is he is he performing well for super coaches out there? Uh, he's only had a eighty-seven round one, one hundred five, and then a one twenty-four. So, yeah, so not bad. Better than Lockie Whitfield. Better than Jack Crisp. 
he will be relatively expensive for a for a defender by the, when he gets DPP. So that's one to watch though. Nick Dacos, they're saying he might get mid to defense mid, but that idea that he was going to spend his whole time behind the ball has kind of not happened because he's so damn good, Patch. Yeah, it's unfortunate that um, that Collingwood would get a kid that is so damn good um, and, you know, have a resurgence, resurgence and be a team that is, dare I say it, good at football and entertaining to watch. And I don't know if I can live in a world where both Carlton and Collingwood fit into that category and Essendon doesn't. But anyway, we're here. Um, Dacos is good. Maybe he gets DPP. I don't think, like, everyone's got him anyway. I don't think it really impacts what you do with your Supercoach side or your life, but... Sure, it'd be nice, I guess. The same probably goes for Jason Horn Francis forward mid and Mitch Hinge defense mid. In that case, these are two interesting names though that stood out in the article. Tom Mitchell mid Ooh. to mid forward. Is this possible? What the hell? Wowie. Wowie. I mean it's possible. Like anything's possible, I guess. Um Communism been... works in theory. In theory, Marge, um, averaging eighty-two point seven, so he's worse than Lincoln McCarthy. Really? Do, do you want <laughs> Tom Mitchell, or do you want to just, just everybody's worse than Lincoln McCarthy? That's a moot point. I just looked at his scores and thought, "Oh, forward mid Tom Mitchell," and then realised he hasn't scored out of the eighties yet, and I don't really want him anymore. Nope. If you've got him, trade him. Yeah, I don't know what he's rough. doing, but it's uh, it's not good and it's not in, fun. And mate, in the first quarter, they used him as a tagger on Paddy Cripps, and Paddy Cripps tore him apart. That is criminal, and Sam Mitchell should be shot. Having said that, he did coach. Other than that misstep, which probably lost him the game because the first quarter is where they lost it, he did coach pretty well. Um, and Dane Zorko, mid to defense, mid. He's interesting because Wally keeps going off with Achilles injuries. He's still pumping out like 120s. Oh, yeah, I loved owning Dane Zorko last season. If he can continue to be not a just a midfielder, then I will probably select him in his other position. He scored yeah, a agreed. 105 on the weekend, got subbed off. He scored a 26 in round one, got subbed off, and a 116 in round two against Essendon. Um, and had the fan footy big red uh, hurt symbol next to his name anyway. Yeah. And then the the final one in this article is Andrew McGrath, mid to defense mid, which they seem is it seems unlikely that'll happen, but uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Patchy. I yeah, I mean, there's the risk that you know, even though merits out, they um they play him as a more defensive mid. You're seeing with Hewitt that that can work and still result in a lot of scores, and at 440k, having a, a midfielder in the backline. Would be nice, but he also, you know, scored seventy six on the weekend. Um, you know, scored fifty eight against Brisbane, and I hardly saw him from the bleachers. I'm not, I'm not overly thrilled by the idea of Andy McGrath in my Supercoach team. Well, I just, I mean, while we're on the topic of Essendon's midfield, oh, do we have to? <sighs> Dylan Shield. He's played two games. He's got one hundred and one and a hundred, and he's three hundred and sixty k. I did flag this at some stage somewhere in a preseason that he's dramatically underpriced. I don't know who you're trading to him or how you're fitting him in and cannot think of a scenario where I'm like, yeah, I endorse that trade unless it's maybe like a Tom Mitchell to him and then like a a rookie to a, a Cherry or someone. But like, 
I don't know how you're fitting him in. His value, he will make a lot of cash. He'll He's good at football, as we saw in that stretch where he somehow tore Melbourne's midfield apart for five minutes. I don't I I don't see how I fit him in or how you really can consider him. That's fair. He's just one that I, I think is worth flagging because it, it's an int- going to be an interesting watch. Yeah, if he's on your draft watch. waiver wire, go. Yeah, go jump on him now. All right, gentlemen, I think we'll wrap things up there. It's been a pleasure to speak to you, as always. I love this 50-minute runtime for the podcast. I don't know if the listeners do, but it feels so good. It feels like we're not rushed, but, hey, maybe we're also boring and people stop listening. I'll never know. I'll never find out. Damo, I'll tell you what, you weren't fucking, you weren't boring. You were bloody brilliant, as always. Oh, thank you very much, Lake. It was great to be out of the WA time warp and here to grace your ear holes again. Now, Damo, call to action. What do people need to do to hear from you again? You can comment on any of the posts on the website. We will be looking through them, looking for questions. Try and keep it to the latest ones so that we don't have to go back too far. Or you can tweet at us, or you can comment on any of the posts on our Facebook page or our Instagram page. There is actually a dedicated post on every single social media that we have. Um, Or you can just tweet out or Instagram out or whatever you want to do with the hashtag jock mailbag and uh, man Clarky will answer them on the next mailbag podcast. Amazing. Love your work as always. Patch. Hello. Brilliant, brilliant, majestic. You're certainly the best Essendon adjacent person. Uh, well, in, in Victoria right now. I mean, there are many different ways where I could dispute that statement, um, but I'm not going to. Um, I'm going to appreciate you and appreciate Damo and appreciate our listeners because the alternative is to go back to crying in the corner um, about the 013 thing. So I'm happy. I'm going to be happy. That's great. I, I love happiness and I love you. Thank you for joining me. By the way, shout out to me. I'll shout myself out. First time I've ever registered Supercoach points in an official AFL match. Yeah, I did see that. That was very exciting. Um, do you know how many points you were given? Contested knock-on, uh, effective disposal. I'm going to say, how much did Heath Chapman get scaled up in 20. in round one? I'll say I got 20 I points I think that was that. 19 points. I'll take 19. It's more That's than good. I'll get in any other game of football. It was a good knock-on. We got to see it on camera. Um, like Doc tweeted it. Um, if you're, you're, you're confused about what's going on. Was that your dad sitting sitting next to you that clapped? Yeah, yeah, yeah. my dad was sitting next to me. Yeah. You know what, um, I, like Doc, I also clapped. I'll tell you what, it was it was invigorating. For those who have seen my physique, you might be surprised to know that I didn't play much football growing up. I, I, I was in the zone. I, I, I knew I was tipping that ball straight into Weeders. No time wasting. He got an effective kick out of it, mate. It was it was exhilarating. Twenty years of the football, and I finally got to touch it. You love to see it. You love to see it. Um, you touched it more than I touched it at fullback for my game. Although I was wearing sleeves, so hey, so I was we'll I. Take that. <laughs> we'll take that. All right, community. It's been bloody beautiful. Enjoy your week, and of course, jump on the website and check out all the good stuff. Go Blues. Go Dockers. Don't make me do it.